Welcome to Perspectives on Social Justice, where we continue to give the world a voice. I am Lara Lane White, your host. This month, our show focuses on the status of the church. Our dialogue focuses on the subject of reopening the church after nearly a two-year pandemic that forced congregations and church leaders to dramatically alter the church's operating platforms. Many churches developed sophisticated online ministries, the results of which varied from church to church. But there were many churches and denominations, such as the Church of God in Christ, and some Pentecostal churches that resisted the change. And um, but they ended up aligning with federal mandates to shelter in place after many were stricken with COVID-19. But two years later, the church now faces a series of new issues relative to individual religious freedoms, including same-sex marriage, racial and sexual equity, and homosexuality. The biggest example is the United Methodist Church planning to split in 2024. And also, there was some history made when the state of Georgia elected the Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, pastor of historic Ebenezer Baptist Church, as his first African-American United States Senator, and John Ossoff, the first Jewish-American United States Senator from the state of Georgia. As an active clergywoman in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, I take the position that the church never really closed. Church leaders rather changed their operating platforms to align with the current world status. It was a kind of 21st century reformation movement or Renaissance renewal, moving the clergy world to reframe its existence. I believe God has called many to redress the bride and rise up to a new level of relevance. The Bible has many narratives of evidence of major, often tragic historical social events occurring before a new thing establishes something different, something relevant to the time. I question the church's responses to activate its moral voice and be a voice of justice both during the COVID-19 crisis and before. I recognize and applaud the number of churches offering facilities for vaccinations and food drives. However, I question the universal's lack of response to the systemic vulnerabilities of people of color, those who are a part of the immigration uh, issue, as well as racial and sexual equity. I question why full-time church leaders lack when it comes to developing productive partnerships to keep the mission of the church going. And how did clergy really respond in action against racism and COVID-19 beyond offering facilities for vaccinations. The time is now for the church to rethink its moral positions, to re-examine what's important and reframe what it means to carry out the mission of the church. Tonight, I've gathered church leaders from across the country to discuss these important developments that are unique to their context, and we will get started.
assistant pastor, administrative pastor, and chief operating officer of the Paradise Church of God in Christ in Forest Park, Georgia. We are a church that has uh, been around about 30, I think we'll be celebrating 39 years uh, come this October, of course. So that means the church was around long before I was born. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> but no, we uh, the church has been around almost 40 years and uh, and I believe that we have uh, become a pillar in that particular community there in Forest Park. Um, I'm also president and chief operating officer of the Paradise uh, Community Development Corporation, which is the nonprofit, the 501c3 nonprofit branch of that particular ministry. Um, and we do, of course, all kinds of community impact work from uh, back to school bash. We do health fair. We did. I mean, loads of COVID testing. As a matter of fact, we were a COVID testing, COVID vaccination site throughout these these last days, or throughout the pandemic. Actually, we 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 jumped on board um, um, at the forefront, and we were one of the first organizations to offer COVID testing with the Clayton County uh, Department of Health. Um, in the initial stages of this pandemic. And so uh, I've always felt like the church should be um, the voice. We should all, we should have been a voice, a leading voice during this time. And I uh, heard you say, you know, that there's plenty of evidence of when uh, God gets ready to uh, bring about a significant change in the earth, that there is something like this, a significant event happen. And so I uh, have been saying for quite a while, even when uh, those ones were debating that the church was dying, I said the church is not dying, the church is shifting, that there is something about to happen in the church that's going to give us the opportunity to have a new revised a new voice, a new resounding voice in the earth. And so uh, I guess we all saw that with this <laughs> pandemic. And um, and so, so we- And so with the in the wake of COVID-19 though, okay. what was their position on, uh, on reopening the church? Yeah, so we were, um, our church was one of the first uh, that I know of to, to, to begin to uh, reopen uh, on, on a on a graduated basis. I think that we our congregation had um, a bit a, a better feeling about opening because two because our health and wellness ministry is run by a military doctor as well as one of the top CDC doctors. And so they were giving us advice. They were giving us uh, all kinds of notifications and letting us know this is how we should do it. So we started out, of course, with the questionnaire. Have you felt bad? You know, have you had a fever? Those kinds of things with uh, temperature checks as well as seating, limited seating across the sanctuary. And then we had an overflow area. There were those mass requirements. Um, in the initial stages, we needed to have all leadership needed to have a vaccination card and, and show proof of vaccination. But since um, but in, in the most recent times, we haven't required that. We've since stopped the uh, questionnaire. We still do the temperature checks. We still do the social distancing. But we uh, definitely uh, have been reopened since October of last year or year before last. Actually, we've been open for quite a while. 
And your, now, church, and your church is predominantly African American, right? It is predominantly. I don't. I haven't seen other other than Hispanic. Let's say we're, we're predominantly black and brown. Let's just okay. let's say that. And, and and that area, that particular demographic, is that a low income or is it middle class or what would you say would make the, the demographic? It's, it's, it's on the lower. It's on the lower income um, bracket. I, I I will say this: that our church is probably about ninety five percent transient. So our 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 congregational income or our congregational uh, uh, social status is, is middle class. It, it may be even sort of upper middle class, but it is older. Okay. So what we've been doing with our online ministry and what we've been doing uh, in investing in that online ministry is trying to figure out ways that we can um, attract the younger audience via our our ability to use technology and our integrating them and their knowledge base and technology into ministry, into ministry uh, departments and ministry work. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And also joining us tonight, we had the Reverend Dr. Um, Skip Mason. Uh, Dr. Mason, did, why don't you describe your uh, particular context of the uh, the demographic makeup, their feelings on in-person worship, and what was the plan for um, reopening, or, if, or did they have one? Well, thank you, Dr. White. I'm delighted to be back on your show, and good to see Dr. Fortson and all of the other wonderful guests. So for the last two years that we've been out, we've actually been doing renovation in the church. Uh, we use it as an opportunity uh, to take care of some much needed health-related renovation. We had mold uh, in the church in the ceiling. We had to get a new roof. We had to come in and completely uh, strip the entire sanctuary. Uh, so we spent the last two years doing that while building our uh, online virtual ministry, uh, which grew uh, beyond my wildest imagination. Um, and yes, we did have a plan that was discussed with the trustees and stewards and then presented to the officers that we would have a gradual uh, transition back into the church uh, beginning in uh, March of 2022. Uh, and we decided that we would only worship in person uh, two Sundays a month, the first and the third Sundays. Um, and the other Sundays would be uh, virtual, but the pastoral staff, we would still be uh, filming, if you will, live from the sanctuary. Uh, and it has worked uh, for us. Uh, there are some members, we have um, a, um, a midst in terms of demographics. Of course, we have a, a sizable senior citizens uh, group, if you will, uh, but it runs the gamut. Uh, but we've had good attendance. I know that there are some members who may not be back in the church. They've expressed that. They've indicated uh, that they are more comfortable. We have plenty of place, uh, excuse me, plenty of space in our church to spread out there. So that's not a problem. Uh, that's not a problem with many of our uh, CME churches. Let me speak. I was about to say Methodist churches, but let me just speak on the CME churches. So there's plenty of space. We do have some protocols in place. Uh, as it relates to um, checking temperature, uh, as it relates to, to wearing masks and keeping some social distancing. No, you do not have to register to come. Uh, we, we did not 
we decided we were not going to be engaged in that. And that's because of the number of people that we have. It's very manageable, uh, if you will. We did some minor things about collecting offering, uh, communion. We made adjustments so that uh, we serve the uh, disposable communion, you know, and we have uh, ushers uh, receiving offerings, if you will, on each side. Uh, so that the trays will not have to be passed back and forth. Just some small things just to uh, assure the members that we are trying to um, be safe and cautious. Our choir started off singing with mask. Um, okay. Our choir started off singing uh, with mask. I'm making a technical adjustment here and I hope it works. All right. Hope that's better. Um, so at any rate, long story short, uh, Dr. White, uh, we've, you know, been strategic in it, but, you know, I'm the pastor of a wonderful virtual audience and I enjoy that. And I try to minister to them, uh, as well as those that are in person. Uh, and so we're looking very forward to melding the two because I did not want to lose the virtual audience that, that have been very faithful uh, in terms of watching us and planting seeds uh, in our offerings uh, and, and really being engaged in the ministry as well. Uh, so we're delighted. Uh, we started our social outreach back, uh, working with the Cleopas Johnson Park uh, and working with the Hutz Ministry. So we're doing a whole lot of wonderful things. Um, and, and we know that it is going to take time to gain confidence for people to come back. But as long as they can listen, we have our conference line going as long as they can watch on YouTube. Many of the members said their sons and daughters set it up so they can turn on YouTube. They didn't know anything about YouTube. Uh, and now they can watch the service on YouTube. So I, I don't think we're doing anything different than any of the other pastors or churches. Uh, but we're really just trying to cater to our members uh, and to help them to have the worship experience that we, we want to have. Also have um, the Reverend Dr. Susan Buxton who's the pastor of Allen Temple AME Church in Atlanta. Um, and, and Dr. Buxton, if, if you can just give us some information on your, um, your, your church's demographic, how do they feel about in-person worship? And did they have a plan for reopening? You know, what was the, what was the feeling about that? Thank you again. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Um, God is good and worthy to be praised. I do serve as a pastor of Allen Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church in the city of Atlanta. We are in the northwestern uh, corridor of Atlanta, um, not too far from downtown, um, about a mile and a half from the AU Center. Uh, we are 155 years old, well, 157, I believe, 57 years old. Um, time has slowed down with COVID, and uh, we we are um, a mixed demographic, uh, predominantly um, 60 and over, um, and I might say 65 and over. Uh, but we are seeing a uh, we're seeing a shift in those who are um, who are coming to our services. We uh, did shut down as uh, in March of 2020. And uh, we did an entire, entirely virtual, I had an entirely virtual experience for a year. And uh, we did uh, as well open um, the next year uh, once the weather broke um, to do um, the services on the lot. 
Uh, we called it Praise on the Lot. Uh, and that also opened up the opportunity for many in the community to not just hear service, but to come over and share with us in service. Um, and so we did have a plan for reopening. Uh, we have a health ministry. Our health ministry is led by practicing, uh, practicing and retired professionals. And uh, we did uh, structure the plan according to the CDC uh, to have people to sign so that we could do any kind of contact tracing, uh, necessary temperatures, um, all of the social distancing, everything that everybody else has, um, has really noted and um, has done. Um, one of the things that we made sure that we did, though, uh, was to start what we call the At Home with Allen Temple team. And uh, we had a group of members who um, decided uh, that they wanted to come together because uh, we had to have some kind of connection. Uh, although we were uh, our seniors were learning um, to get on Facebook, to get on uh Instagram to get on YouTube, whatever social media platform we were trying to use. Amen. Um, we also knew that we had to have some kind of physical connectivity. Um, and even if that were, even if that just ended up being coming to a house and putting um, the commun a communion kit on the door and then calling and saying it's outside. So come on out so we can see you from the door. Um, and so that was very um, instrumental to making sure that we uh, remain connected. And although we've been back in um, in the in the sanctuary for going on a year, um, we most assuredly still keep that type type of connectivity because as uh, we do have um, older members and those who have health concerns um, and those who just have chosen not to return. Um, just like we had people before COVID who just did not come. Right, all of us had that. Um, we still maintain um, the at home with Alan Temple team for those particular um, instances where we know there are people who have um, have a great concern about coming back into the sanctuary for that time. Um, but we have been back into this back in the sanctuary. Um, we have enough space as well, like Dr. Mason said, for us to be able to social distance. Um, we did. Um, segment the sanctuary so that people are sitting every other row. We we followed um, some rules and regulations um, to help us to um, to social distance, but truly because we've seen that across the board, um, even globally, um, people just are naturally doing it themselves. Um, while uh, we've come back into the sanctuary and um, we are enjoying um, the worship that we are having every Sunday um, and. You know, we're seeing more and more people coming back. Uh, we before we saw our members come back, we saw people from the community come. Um, and so that was an eye opener for understanding that there are people within our community in walking distance um, who had just drove by and they wanted to they either drove by or they walked and they because they just simply wanted to come into the house of the Lord. So um, I find that a very um, powerful understanding about the place and the purpose of such an anchor institution as a church in a community. Nessie, you got to unmute yourself. <laughs> okay. Now, and Dr. Buxton, I am most uh, intrigued at, um, by the at home, what's it, at home with Alan Temple. I'm Correct. assuming that's your online ministry. That, well, that it, and it is. It is the tagline that we use for our online ministry. But we physically had a team of people who would go to two homes and do drop offs and do checks 
um, throughout the uh, quarantine period um, so because awesome. you, you have to, I, I get social media. I understand that. Um, but there's something about somebody coming to check on you and look at your face that That's makes right. a huge difference. Right? That's right. That That is so awesome. That is so awesome. That is such a blessing. I'm so impressed by that. Um, and we also have um, the Reverend Kim Shelton. Reverend Shelton comes to us out of Chicago. And so, um, and Chicago has some very unique, um, some, some very unique challenges um, than we do here in the South. Uh, Reverend Shelton, can you talk a little bit about um, your congregation? Just, you know, tell us, tell us who you are and describe your church's demographic and their feelings on in-person worship and, and um, the plan for reopening. Or did you ever really close? I mean, you know, just talk about that. Yeah. Good evening, Dr. White and the esteemed panelists that are also on uh, this, this showing. So I'm excited to be here and share with you all once again. Yes, here in Chicago, I've been open. I'm the pastor of Good News Community Church in Chicago, on the north side of Chicago. Um, been there for several years. And so when we had the pandemic, of course, we closed um, as we were instructed to do so. Uh, we opened back up in September. September of 2020, uh, when the numbers were kind of going down, and we did that for a couple of months, and when that big spike began to happen around November, we closed, and then we opened up again uh, that Easter of 2021, and we've been open ever since. And so in our opening uh, plan, we definitely did safe uh, distancing. We did masks, for sure. I mean, the pulpit had a covering as well. Um, because it's hard to preach with a mask, I made sure I had a barrier um, when I didn't have my mask on so that the congregants would not um, feel threatened or anything. And so we did calls. Um, I did weekly calls to the congregants during the uh, pandemic shutdown. I did video conferencing with the uh, congregants um, just to make sure that we all stay connected as well. Uh, Bible studies went to Zoom. Um, our prayer line, we continue on. We were already in the season of doing prayer, um, so we just continued on with that. And so we've been open for the last over a year plus, um, and just doing worship. So we only opened the sanctuary on Sunday for worship. So we did not start an in-person Bible study. We still have not started in-person Bible study. We're doing that via Zoom. So come this summer, we're going to begin to open up a little bit more where we'll bring Bible study back to in-person. Or we'll uh, open up for our vacation Bible school for our children. The community has been asking. Um, our church picnic will begin to have. So we'll begin to start reopening our ministries uh, again, the women's ministry, the men's ministry and the children's ministry will begin to open. Our choir ministry came back together, um, not when we first did the initial reopening, but when we opened, for sure, that Easter, our choir came together. Um, they started singing in masks, and then um, as the months went past, it, the masks began to just come down. And those who felt comfortable in the mask, they still continued on. Um, going forth. So we've been definitely doing ministry in such a way. We've been definitely connecting with one another for my worship leaders and my deacons. They had got assigned families during the pandemic to just touch because everybody knew they was getting a call from me, the pastor, but I wanted people to stay connected with one another. So I had my um, worship team make sure that they connected with certain families so they would hear from other people of the church. And that was very, um, 
helpful and exciting for them to hear from other members of the church besides the pastor. Um, they, they felt, they really felt that and we continue to send out birthday loves and anniversaries and all that kind of stuff. So they still felt connected with the congregants. Um, our demographic is, I'm on the north side of Chicago. Um, and so my demographic is in the low, we got one pocket of low income uh, community and I serve in that pocket of low income community. And so my demographics are low income. However, my church is such a variety. Um, so we might have someone with a GED or someone with a PhD. So we have such a variety uh, in, our, in my church. Um, and we have a variety of young and old. We have children, we have grandchildren. Uh, so we have such a mix um, in the community and the church which I serve. And our church is also a community church. So most people live in that community. I'm probably the furthest out and I'm probably three miles away. Um, and everybody else pretty much lives in that community. And so they walk to church most of the time. A few of us may drive in, but most everybody walks and lives in that community. Um, and so we've been definitely functioning as a church and as a community during this whole pandemic. And even in the middle of the racial tension that uh, happened with George Floyd, we uh, definitely stayed together in community at the same time. Yeah, I've talked about reopening the church and, and the church's demographic and their feelings on in-person worship. And on that note, I will bid everyone good night. Good night, you guys.